Welcome to episode 25 of the podcast of Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor story. I am the author, Shireen Chichi Boy. Chapter 25, Breaking Bones, Falling Hair. Judy's luck, though she is not aware of it as she sits at Britt's window, had started to worsen a while ago in July of 1976. She had sprained her wrist on July 3rd and then fell on her knee on July 26, 1976. That made her walk stiffly for a while, but she brushed it off. Jeech did not brush it off when he saw her doing a regular appointment and asked about her stiff gait. Judy, I want you to have a bone biopsy. It will be a bit uncomfortable, he told her. You mean it will hurt like hell, she retorted. Jeech smiled to concede the point. He said his secretary would book the appointment. Rain poured down on Monday, March 28, 1977. Rather appropriate, Judy thought as she waited for the bone guy, as Jeej had called him. He rushed into the room and before she was ready, had her up on a table, her back to him, and was telling her to relax and that it will only be a pinprick. She stayed still with fear. He injected a local anesthetic over the iliac crest part of the pelvis. Judy felt the familiar prick and then the familiar fatter and fatter feeling of numbness. He pressed her flesh and when she could not feel his finger, he started. She didn't feel pain as the slender needle punctured her skin, slid through her fat and muscle, and hit the bone. He whirled the needle into the bone through to her marrow. She gasped. She tried to breathe against the pain. It was over. He had his bone core. She checked that the needle was really out and rubbed the insulted area, willing the pain to recede. Within a few minutes, she got up and walked out. She finally saw Jeej in July to learn the results. She sat down across from him at his desk, nervous about what he was going to tell her. Your biopsy shows markedly reduced bone mass and a hyperkinetic bone turnover with increase in osteoid seam and resorption sites. I was afraid of this. What it means is this. Vitamin D increases calcium absorption. The blood calcium levels rise, and when the blood calcium levels rise consistently, it shuts off the parathyroid hormone. And when the parathyroid hormone shuts off, it stops the turnover or remodeling of bone, and the bone crumbles. Judy cringed inwardly. So when we reduced your vitamin D, we reduced the absorption of calcium. And because you're reducing the absorption of calcium, you're actually reducing blood calcium levels. And when blood calcium levels fall, then parathyroid hormone starts to be secreted. And that increases the remodeling of bone. Now, before we remove the vitamin D from your alimentation, you might have developed osteomalacia. And by taking away the vitamin D, we healed it. The problem is that the bone that had formed in that period without calcium got reabsorbed and then calcified. So you are left only with the original thin piece. Judy watched his lips, unblinking. You see, bone formation is a very complex issue. It's easy to stop the breakdown of bone, but it's very difficult to increase the mass of bone particularly once you're beyond 30 years of age. And you're how old? 41, she reminded him. So you see, your bones may have become brittle. You haven't had any fractures yet? No, just bruises. Good. I don't like you falling so much, but by taking out the vitamin D and giving you more calcium, etc., I'm hoping that will help matters. But, you know, we have no idea what is going on. This is all new. Judy nodded. This is all new. We don't know. How many times had she heard those phrases before? They'd given her life, though. She could not think of a question to ask, and so left worried. But as one year slipped into the next, and as her bones remained unbroken, she stopped worrying. 
Clouds gathered on the morning of Tuesday, June 5, 1979, and poured out their tears before moving on that evening. But not before Judy fell twice. The second time, while shopping at Knob Hills, a large supermarket, with her neighbor Kathy, her wrist swelled and blared its pain. Kathy drove her home quickly, and Judy called her GP, DaCosta. Judy arrived at his empty office after hours. He examined her wrist and was pretty sure that it was broken. He wrapped an old copy of Time magazine tightly rounded and taped it in place. He then injected her with 75 milligrams of Demerol to hold the pain at bay until the next morning, when she could go to the fracture clinic at the Lindsay Hospital. It was closed at night. She joked that the magazine will be mighty handy to read. Neither spoke about how often she falls. She showed Jeej her cast during her next appointment, which happened to be just before he left for his annual August vacation. She asked him, How long should this cast be on? About three weeks. Why? How long has it been on? Since June 6. Oh. He put his hand up to his mouth and thought about that for a minute. And how did you break it? I fell in Knob Hills. I saved my knee, but broke my wrist. She tried to hide her worry. This isn't the first time you've fallen? No. It's your first fracture, though. Yes. Jeej opened her chart. He paid particular attention to her vitamin D-related blood test results. He flipped backward through the chart and saw that in 1974 he had cut Judy's vitamin D in half because her serum magnesium was down and her serum phosphorus was up, the latter a problem that had started to appear in his other TPM patients as well. Subsequently, he had worked with George to combine vitamin A in another preparation so that he could take vitamin D out of the TPN altogether, instead of just having it as he had originally done with Judy. But as he had feared, the damage had been done. Judy interrupted his thoughts. I'm wondering if I should come to Toronto to have my cast removed in case I have metabolic bone disease. Is that why I'm healing slowly? I don't know. I think you should have an x-ray. Then we'll see. Judy headed down to X-Ray and soon returned with film in hand. Jeej placed it up onto his light box and they looked at it together. Well, he said, it shows good position and satisfactory progress. I don't think you need worry. You can go to your local hospital to have it removed. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Judy left with requisitions for more blood tests, worrying that this fracture was a harbinger of new problems to cope with. Ever since Jeej had cured her diabetes, her days had been full. She'd focused her attention on her friends and family, serving others, helping her fellow lifeliners, and volunteering at her church. She'd ignored the abscess, bleeding gums, and abundant scale on her teeth until she had no choice but to deal with them. She'd willed out of her mind the inconveniences from being on TPN and the bruises from her falls. But now the bruise had become a broken bone. The heavy cast, its unyielding presence, reminded her that being the first person on home TPN held a price. She was grateful that Jeej had caught the toxic levels of too much vitamin D early. It could have been so much worse, she reminded herself as she swallowed her distress about breaking more bones and losing her independence. This was just another part of her illness, and at this point she had yet to see any grandchildren. She must not die before reaching that goal, and she could not become that predicted quasi-invalid after all these years. Heck, she was so close to the 10-year mark that she could not let this get her down. Cheech would find a cure, just as he had before. She squared her shoulders and headed for the blood lab. It's fall, 1982, the trip to Sweden, a sweet, lingering memory. 
The leaves falling off the trees mimic the fine hair falling out of Judy's head. Like every woman, she likes her hair to look decent. And this new problem is too much. I'm losing a lot of hair, Jeej, she announces on October 18, 1982. What are you going to do about it? Jeej studies her head after he examines her line in her G-tube. I would say you have somewhat thin hair. But what concerns me is that your G-tube is clearly very excoriated. I know. Judy doesn't like to be reminded of this never-ending problem. Having to deal with it twice a day is bad enough. I suggest you try to lift the tube off your skin and protect it with a mixture of zinc and cod liver oil. Well, I'd rather put it on me than eat it, she jokes to Jeej, referring to the oil. Maybe, she thinks, this will finally stop her stomach juices from eating her skin. I'll try. Good. What about my hair? Don't worry about it. She doesn't. She just hates losing it. In one breath, she continues to complain about it whenever she visits DaCosta or Jeej, or the friendly young physicians at the home TPN clinic that Jeej has set up in the new Eaton Wing on the ninth floor. In the next breath, she shrugs her shoulders and asserts it's just part of the illness. Still, she hopes one of the doctors will come up with a solution. Finally, the young residents at the home TPN clinic on a freezing January day respond to her persistence. They add biotin in the form of Barocca C to her TPN. Much to her delight, her hair grows back. Unfortunately, only temporarily. By October 1986, strands of hair are falling all over the bathroom counter, kitchen table, the back of her chair, her pillow. She's constantly picking or vacuuming it up and throwing it out. She pesters Jeech about it again, and he increases her Barocca C hoping that will solve her problem so that he can concentrate on fixing her G-tube leaks and brittle bones. She hasn't thought about the latter in a long time because, once again, years of no breaks have lulled her into complacency, and unlike some of the other lifeliners, she has no bone pain to remind her of the creeping destruction within. She prefers not to think about unpleasant things. She just feels so grateful to be alive and to have Cliff at her side, she shares her feelings with Cliff by handing him an article to read in the Lifeline letter from the Ole Foundation. He scans the headline, Are you a caregiver? He pauses and looks up briefly, but she says nothing and continues to knit. He silently reads the rest of the short article. If so, you may need to pay more attention to your own health care needs, according to an article in the American College of Physicians Observer. It continues, Known as the loneliest job in town, or the 36-hour day, the physical and emotional health of caregivers can often be taxed to the limit. When he finishes reading, he hands the article back to her with a nod. She puts it in a box with her other keepsakes. Life goes on. You have been listening to Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor story, a biography on a Canadian medical pioneer who made artificial feeding possible podcast by the author Shireen Jijiboy, one chapter at a time. Music used for this podcast is I Like It Like That by Steph Sachs and The King Is Back by Echoed, licensed under Creative Commons. They can be found at dig.ccmixter.org under instrumental music for film and video. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. For more information or to leave a comment, please check out the website at ggboy.ca or the Twitter feed at Shireen J. So until next time, thank you for listening to Lifeliner. I'm Shireen Gigi Boy.